0: At the time there was a man who was many things a professional trail runner a professional snowshoe racer a rider a tax lawyer an editor an adventure racer a father a brand ambassador and the president of the American Trail Running Association one day this man met a 29 year old journalist on the dance floor at the outdoor retailer summer market in Salt Lake City The Outdoor Retail Show is one of the most wonderful, energetic trade shows filled with all the manufacturing companies that create tents, kayaks, backpacks, camping food, boots, climbing gear, running shoes, you name it. If it's outdoor recreation gear, then everyone who makes it, buys it, and writes about it comes to this trade show, along with many a professional athlete. It's an incredible space. Five days of all the best new things hitting the market and all the people who make it happen. The after show parties, the bands and events were all part of the networking mashup. Stay tuned for the rest of the story. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Back to the story. These two danced and talked and stayed friends for 18 years, occasionally seeing each other at the trade shows or sharing contacts. But mostly, that woman who was me? Watched Adam Chase do amazing things. He is a Jewish American, slight of build, solid muscle. He's one of the most accomplished athletes I know. He travels all over the world racing, repping, and riding. And when I asked him how many countries he'd been to, he said he'd quit keeping track. Oh,
1: uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Someone asked me this last week, and I did a. Uh, marathon in Jacksonville Florida it was a, actually an amazing breast cancer um, fundraiser marathon called the, the Donna um, and someone said how many marathons have you done and I, you know I honestly after well over 100 I didn't I don't know that I've ever counted but I know that it's well over 100 and um, same with countries I don't really it's just about the experience at the time so I don't really I don't know
0: well not very many people can say that
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay i feel i feel very grateful that's for sure but uh just kind of think about it when it's happening and and that's the other thing about writing magazine articles is um a lot of times i'll have i'll sort of have this memory of something and can pull up the old article and then kind of relive it even from my own words when i was there so
0: started running when he was in his teens. There was a marathon going on and he wondered what it would be like to run one. Showing serious initiative, he filled his own water bottles, put them out on the course, and ran it on his own just to try it out.
1: So I think I kind of decided that I wanted to run long distance when I ran my first marathon. It wasn't even an official, it was an official course, but it wasn't the weekend that they had the race. Um, my family moved from Colorado to uh, Norwich, Vermont, and there was the Dartmouth Marathon just across the river uh, in Hanover, New Hampshire, and it was a run that actually ran part about half in New Hampshire and half in Vermont, and I, just as an 18-year-old, had put out some water bottles on the course and just ran it on my own with no real reason. Um, I just kind of wanted to see what it was like to run a marathon, and I guess that's kind of what started me in on all of that, I start, I ran a few in college, and then started running ultras in law school and doing triathlons in law school. I wasn't necessarily great at it. I, I ran a, actually my fastest my senior year of college, and then was decent triathlon, but not great. Um, and I guess it wasn't until I started doing ultra marathons that I I used to say, I only won because the fast people didn't show up, and I still believe that. It really is, I mean, that's the cool thing about ultramarathons is to see how they've gotten to be so competitive. Um, but when I first started, it, it really wasn't that competitive.
0: Because Adam is a bit of a celebrity and a tremendously gifted athlete and people person, I pulled a few of those friendship strings to see if he'd share some of his story on the podcast. Give us a peek at some of the behind-the-scenes stories that drive him. And it turns out the pushing himself to excel is actually how he processes emotion. In episode 30, we talked about adversity, how we deal with the tough times in our lives, and the importance of positive processing. Well, Adam shares his
1: toughest moments. When I was 21, my father died. So I suppose that was my greatest challenge as far as just kind of coping. But my father was a tremendous man, and he's, I grew up in Boulder, where he was a law professor, but he was also very involved with the ACLU. Um, And his spirit lives on with so many people here, so I never... This sounds a little cliche and touchy-feely, I suppose, but I have felt he is so alive here that I... I I really do envy people who have had their parents die at a very old age, but they never really lived with their... and never really experienced life with their parent and I was lucky to with my dad so he left me with um, a lot of his spirit Um, and I when I was in law school I was chair of the ACLU and when I first started practicing here I was chair of the ACLU in Boulder and more than that I think just his passion for life has really lived on and then I get to see some of his spirit in my in my voice too so it was, it was hard, but at the same time, I feel very grateful for what I had. You know, it was 21 well-lived years with him. I had been away my junior year and found out when I first arrived back in the States, I was in England, um, that he had lung cancer. Um, they had only found out the week before, but decided to wait till I returned to tell me. And that's when I think my level of discipline probably went into hyperdrive, although if you ask my family, they'd say, no, you were like that before, you found out your your father had cancer. In any case, when he passed away, my when I first made it home, I was at school in Philadelphia area and flew home. And I got home at around 4.30 and it was dark in Vermont. And I just came home to a family full of puffy faced people from crying and everyone wanted to just hug and cry more. And I said, I need to go for a run. And I ran a route that I used to run with my father. And that was when I think the healing process began through athletic pursuits. And it probably continued for maybe six years or so. That's how I kind of processed. So when I was separated in 2000, again, that's when probably my ultra running and then adventure racing went again, sort of into hyperdrive. It's almost my body's response to emotion.
0: So yeah, it sounds like that's your go-to when something is hard on you that you push even harder. And all of that pushing mm-hmm. is basically propulsion forward, right?
1: Yeah, but it also makes you feel, I mean, for the same reason I suppose that uh, anorexics or bulimics purge or don't eat, it's it's a way of feeling like you're in control, I think, of something mm-hmm. that you're not in control of. It's interesting, I, one of the books that I co-authored a book on trail running, and one of the pieces that always is most poignant for me was a guy who, in high school, he ran to and put pain on himself the same way that I suppose a lot of teenagers um, cut themselves. I never did that, but it really appealed to me because he said after he started excelling, then he got all these accolades, and his whole community supported his running. He was phenomenal at it, um, and. I suppose in maybe a a different way that the same thing happened with me. It was a way of feeling validated, I suppose, in my own community. Um, And I never did it for the accolades necessarily, but boy, it's a nice bonus. And when people want to pay you to do what you love doing and fly you to places that you would have flown yourself anyway, um, that, that doesn't suck. (laughs) No, that doesn't um, suck at all. No. And I, I continue to, try to, you know, ride that bandwagon as long as I can. It's, uh, it's a good wave. Um,
0: what about in your 30s, Adam? What was the greatest challenge in your 30s?
1: Well, that was when my ex decided that she needed to, the uh, homing beacon became so strong, she needed to move back to where she grew up. And, and I, I have to say, I, I've always understood it, and we've always remained friends because for the same reason she moved there i couldn't leave here and it took us we, were, we remained married for another five years after she left And we've never fought and it was really just sort of the every time i'd go back which was about six times a year then um, to be with my son um, it was having to say goodbye to them each time when they were just little boys you know they were three and one when it first happened and that was devastating um, at the time so that would have been my. That definitely was my big challenge when I was in my 30s. And what about your yeah, 40s? What
0: was the biggest challenge in
1: your um, 40s? I had a really <laughs> I had a really good 40s. Um, I uh, I suppose it was both a a hard thing, but also a kind of a, uh, a relief. But being less competitive uh, and not being able to run like I used to or keep up with my former self um, physically um, but at the same time I you know it wasn't until I was probably 48 maybe that I really became apparently clear like whoa I can't keep up uh, with people I used to be able to um, and I would say okay I'm going to participate in this event rather than race um, so that took a little bit of an adjustment um, but it's gotten, easier now that i kind of have restructured my role that i'm kind of mentor more than anything of the younger athletes and give them a lot of advice on how to shape their athletic career which these days is not just about winning events it's about kind of forming yourself as a whole um, marketing person um, at the social media and um, becomes a an ambassador for a brand that, that sponsors you rather than just being an athlete that stands on the podium that looks good. Mm.
0: Just out of his 40s, Adam married his true love shortly after this interview, and he's on to the next big adventure. We'll see what his 50s bring him. But one thing I find fascinating is that he and his wife are creating a totally unexpected twist to the plot by living in different states. I believe she is practicing medicine in Oregon while he is staying in Boulder. But as is his way, he's choosing the perspective that makes the parts and pieces of his life more like a game, something to have fun at. His parting advice is to not think of life's challenges as hard things, but to look at them as a challenge or a game to win.
1: I I guess, I mean this sounds maybe too easy um, and probably and maybe a little trite but um don't think of them as hard things think of them as you know maybe challenges in a good way of like i'm gonna take care of this so i mean even something mundane like yesterday i found out my driver's license had expired And this morning i said you know what i'm not putting it off i'm gonna go right down to the dmv and get my new driver's license which and i hate bureaucracy i gotta say uh maybe that's why i'm a tax lawyer because i know how to kind of cut through but know getting a new driver's license you can't cut through you've got to go do it Um, and I just I just went and did it and honestly as soon as I left the the office with my new temporary driver's license I felt great and it just seemed so easy and I was you know kind of friendly to everyone there and they pushed me right through and um, it only took a matter of minutes really but um, otherwise I know I would have just sat there and tried to justify why I shouldn't have to get it now and all this stuff and it just kind of compounds itself. So I would say just if you know that there's something out there that isn't right, then just make it right. Um, Do it Um, and don't think about it. Just kind of throw yourself at it and the process of making it right is pretty empowering. And it's when you try to procrastinate or avoid or deny that I think things become much bigger than they are and much more of a challenge. And they sort of metastasize and and that's just not a good thing. So just take care of it.
0: Adam, that's great advice. And really the core of what you're saying is choose your perspective. If something ugly or scary or undesirable pops up, you get to look at it and say, okay, I can either create a story about this, that it's really ugly, that it's really scary, that it's really horrible, or I can create a story that serves me much better that is focusing on how do I solve the problem? Or, you know, how do I, you move forward with action instead of building up stories that keep you in places of fear or inaction. Whether you're a professional athlete, a mom, a blind therapist, a self-love coach, an accountant, a thru-hiker, a professional speaker, an engineer, a poet, a songwriter, a dog walker, a film producer, or any other wonderfully colorful soul on the planet. We all get to find our way out of processing emotion in a healthy way, so we can create the story that we want. One not bogged down in pain and armor, darkness and sorrow. We all get to choose that perspective Adam was just talking about. We can look at rush hour traffic as an inconvenient clustered mess, or we can use it as a time for podcasts, audible, Meditation, we're thinking through the day's events and putting them to rest. We can choose the perspective, always. We can choose the perspective. It's the one thing we will always control. There's an exercise that I'm particularly fond of. It's called, have to, get to, blessed to. Sit down and list out all the things you have to do tomorrow and then say them out loud. Only change the have to, to get to. And when you say them, notice the difference in perspective that one word makes. And then do it again. Only change the get to to I am blessed to. Again, notice the shift in the attitude toward those things on your list just by changing that one word. It really works, it's powerful. Your challenge this week is to practice shifting perspectives. Try it a couple times just for fun. The next time you feel yourself getting frustrated or stuck, see how you can reframe the situation into one that switches your perspective into a place where it becomes fun or a challenge or a blessing adam taught us some good principles and looking at his life his highly accomplished life and the way that he's chosen to process the way that he's chosen to change perspective has helped him create a story that he loves that he's proud of try the exercise above And then check in with us and let us know how it affects your story, how it affects your thoughts, and how it changes things for you. Go to www.loveyourstorypodcast.com and leave your comments under this episode. We would love to hear from you.